Welcome to the Logger and Listings Podcast with JFK Properties. This podcast gives real estate investors, experts, and entrepreneurs an opportunity to share their stories over a casual beverage. Hosted by the founding members of JFK Properties, an investment company that specializes in commercial and residential real estate. So sit back, grab a drink, and listen to this real, insightful, and sometimes funny podcast on real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to another episode of the Logger and Listings Podcast with JFK Properties. Today's going to be a little bit of a different episode where I'm going to talk solo about income properties. Before I dive into that, I do want to just kind of recap a little bit about myself. In one of the episodes from season one, I did dive into more about how I got into real estate investing. So I'm just going to give a brief synopsis of my journey to get to this point. So in 2004, I left university. Usually when I say that, most people assume, well, I graduated in 2004. No, I actually left. So I started working, decided that becoming a psychologist was not for me. And I wasn't getting the value out of being in university outside of meeting some amazing friends, people, et cetera, and learning more about myself and gaining independence. So I decided to leave university in 2004 and start working. So the company I started working for actually taught people how to invest in both real estate and financial markets. So after a couple of years being in sales, I decided to invest in my first property with several business partners and coworkers back in 2007. We ended up losing money on that property just due to the fact we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't work with a mentor or coach that was a power of sale property that we purchased at about 590,000, had it appraised at 740,000, But again, just due to not knowing what we didn't know, ended up selling it six months later for about six hundred and thirty thousand. So after holding costs, paying you know the realtor's commission, etc., it was a loss. So at that point, I decided that real estate didn't work and actually started trading stocks options in two thousand nine. This time, I did things differently. I actually worked with mentors. I took classes, so started trading in two thousand nine. Basically, at the time when the market hit bottom. So I traded stocks and options for roughly a year. And then I decided to take a class on Forex and I fell in love. So I started trading Forex from about 2010 through about 2015. And it was pretty active, but decided that I wasn't kind of progressing at the rate I wanted to when it came to trading. Had some losses, had some good years and bad years over that period of time. Overall, it was a positive experience, but I decided to learn a little bit more, get back into stocks and focus more on fundamental and economic style of trading. So I took a class on that and did that for about two years. And then I decided to stop trading. So after 2017, I wasn't really doing anything actively from an investing standpoint until 2018, when, as you guys know, we formed JFK Properties with my business partners, Jerry and Faraz. So we purchased our first income property in April 2019 and uh, haven't looked back since. So one thing that you guys might not know, I've actually also published two poetry books, and I do enjoy long walks on the beach. But all kidding aside, that's basically my journey and how I got to the point that I am today. One of the secrets that I believe people have for success is that you have to fail early, fail often, but fail forward. So people that are scared to take chances, take risks, bet on themselves, step outside of the box, do things that others wouldn't do, honestly will never get ahead in life. That doesn't mean they can't live for them a fulfilling life, 
but it means they're going to be stuck in that nine to five grind more than likely either working for somebody else, working for themselves as a solopreneur and not really get to the stage where they have a business with systems in place and other people working for them. So how do you grow your business? How do you go from being you know, an employee or a solopreneur to having your own business? And part of it, especially if you're looking at the entrepreneur side, is knowing what to buy, when to buy, and where to buy it. So for us, obviously, as real estate investors, it's about real estate. So let's talk about the different investment types when it comes to income properties. So obviously, we have residential properties. A lot of people might be familiar, obviously, with your personal homes, things like that. But other properties, when it comes to investing, also fall into the residential category. So most lenders would look at you know properties that are five units and below as being under residential. So we'll use that for our example. Anything that's going to be six units and more, even in multifamily, is going to be considered commercial. Then you go all the way to commercial buildings like strip malls, plazas, and things of that nature. So when we're looking at deciding what to buy as investors, looking to generate cash flow, when we're looking at residential versus commercial, there are a few things that we have to consider. Scalability. So residential if you're buying a duplex or a triplex, it's going to take you more time, more effort, more deals to actually scale that into a business that generates the cash flow that's going to help you achieve your long-term goals of generating enough where you don't need, you know, a JOB to provide you with the income that you need to pay your expenses. On the commercial side, it's a lot easier to scale. So, for example, if on the residential side, let's just use simple math you're looking at generating positive cash flow of $100 per month per unit. Well, if your goal is to get to $1,000 per month just to help pay some bills, et cetera, you're going to need to do five duplexes or acquire 10 units. So that's five deals that you're going to have to do. Five deals that you're going to go after to find, negotiate, purchase, close, maybe do some tenant turnover to get to that $100 per month per unit and have 10 units under management to get to that $1,000 per month in positive cash flow. Now, on the commercial side, you could do that in one or two deals. So some people get scared with, oh no, I don't want to invest in something that's 10 units or 20 units because they feel it's hard. They feel they can't do it. And it's something, unfortunately, that we've been taught growing up. We weren't taught how to invest in real estate You know, when we went to school, when we went to high school, when we went to college, university. So unless you took the time to educate yourself with various companies that are out there, or if you have a friend or a close family member that kind of took you under their wing or a mentor or coach, you would honestly believe that it's more difficult to finance and find commercial properties than it is residential. And that's really not the case for most people. Financing. Okay. When we're financing a residential property, anybody that's bought their own home, knows that it's based on your income, your credit. So you have to qualify. The same applies to a duplex, triplex, anything that lenders are considering residential versus commercial. Now, when you scale up to the commercial side, when you're looking at properties that are six, seven, eight, nine plus units, or even getting into commercial properties that are more like, again, strip malls, businesses, et cetera, they're actually looking at the property's income. How does that asset perform? Not looking at how you've performed in your nine to five or your business. Now, 
both sides, they will obviously look to make sure you're credit worthy. You do have to submit and pay your taxes. You do have to provide your notice of assessment. But when it comes to actually financing and making that decision, on the commercial side, they're looking at the property. On the residential side, they're looking at you. So now that you've acquired the property, and let's say that you're looking at you know selling it or refinancing it, how are they going to evaluate what this property is worth today? On the residential side, again, going to a single family home, what somebody will do or what an appraiser will do is come in and look at other properties that have sold in the area that are comparable to yours. So maybe they have the same number of bedrooms, bathrooms, same square footage, same finishing. They're going to look at the property. Same applies to duplexes and triplexes. It's not necessarily based on what we look at on the commercial side, which is how that asset performs. What is the net operating income? Net operating income, for those that don't know, is your income minus your expenses, not taking into account your debt service or your mortgage payments. So again, on the commercial side, if you purchase a property and you're able to have some tenant turnover, increase the income of that property. Maybe you do some things on the expense side to reduce the expenses that you have. One common thing that investors will do is as tenants turn over, they will have tenants start paying the utilities, therefore reducing their expenses as a business and increasing that net operating income, which also drives the valuation of that property higher. So let's talk about availability. Okay, As markets change, we will see inventory start to fluctuate. We are just coming out of, in September 2022, what has been really a seller's market for quite some time over COVID. Now that we are seeing interest rates go up, we're actually seeing more properties come in the market because a lot of sellers are worried where the market's going to go in the future. They're trying to capitalize on the amount of appreciation that we've seen here through periods of 2019 through 2021 and kind of peaking in early 2022. So inventory levels will fluctuate. Right now, I am seeing more inventory on kind of that duplex, triplex side compared to before and same on the commercial side as well. So let's talk about liquidity. And liquidity essentially is what is your ability to actually sell a property? Let's look at this in simple terms. So if we're taking a single family home, for example, and you're in an area where Average property prices are 300000 So obviously you're not in the GTA <laughs> at that price point. If you, there are going to be more people that can afford that two, three, $400,000 home versus if you're in downtown Toronto where you're paying a million dollars for a condo. So liquidity is the, you know, how likely are you to actually sell this asset? So on the residential side, from an investor standpoint, if you have a duplex or triplex, there are going to be a lot more people looking to get into that market. Sometimes they're not investors. Maybe they're just somebody that wants to kind of dip their toe into the real estate market because they've seen friends, family members, or others, or maybe they've heard on a podcast like this, that investing in real estate is a good idea. So rather than them jumping into the commercial side, they'll probably jump into the residential market. So your liquidity is going to be a little bit higher on the residential side. When you get into commercial, especially when you're looking to large commercial, when you're looking at you know properties that are 40 units, 50 units, real commercial type spaces, you're gonna have less people looking to acquire those. So from our standpoint, yes, residential has its benefits, but we're competing with less people if we move to the commercial side. Now, having less competition as a buyer can give you some additional leverage. 
So that is a, definitely a good market to get into. When it comes to capital investment, how much money do you need to actually start investing in residential and commercial? This one's pretty simple. If you're looking at residential, you know, four units, five units or less, obviously you're going to need less capital investment than you would if you're dealing with more units. And that's assuming that we're in the same market. Okay. So obviously if we go to a different market, we might find, you know, duplexes, triplexes in the GTA going for more than properties that are, you know, possibly eight, nine units in some more, you know, secondary or tertiary markets. Here's one that usually throws people off is risk. As investors, we have to ascertain what our risks are anytime we go to invest. So most people will assume that because residential requires less capital, you have higher liquidity, that it is less risky. That is simply not the case. So let's take an example of like a three unit property. So we have a three unit property. What happens if one unit goes vacant? Then we have 33% vacancy. If you have a 10 unit building and one unit goes vacant, we only have a 10% vacancy at that time. So obviously as investors, we know that anytime we have an income property that is rented out to people, it will not be fully tenanted 100% of the time. We are going to experience vacancy. Hopefully we're working with the right property manager, the right team, where the length of vacancy for any unit is not excessive. So having more units in a property actually reduces your risk. It actually enables you to cash flow during periods of time where you have some tenant turnover. So make sure that when you're looking at deciding what to buy, you are factoring in everything, scalability, financing, your valuation, the available inventory, liquidity, your capital investment, and relative risk. So with that, everybody, I want to thank you again for tuning in to Logger and Listings. Hopefully you got to learn something about investing in income properties and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Cheers. If you've enjoyed listening to the Logger and Listings podcast, leave a like or a comment. Not only will we appreciate it, but it will also help this podcast grow organically and help other investors and entrepreneurs grow their businesses and have fun along the way.